Welcome to the Human Conversation Podcast with Jules White, the real dragon slayer, author and entrepreneur sales coach. Tune in weekly for human conversation about business and sales. Enjoy business expert interviews, educational episodes and virtual cuppers with entrepreneur business owners. So grab yourself a cuppa and enjoy. Here is your host, Jules White. So welcome to the human conversation. Oh my goodness, Uh, I have got the most fabulous guest with me today. Um, So this guy, let me just give you a little brief overview. He sent me a bio, it's very professional, so I'm gonna gonna read it to you. This is Daryl Prail. He is a chief marketing officer at VanillaSoft. We're gonna find out more about that in a minute. The industry's most established sales engagement platform. As an accomplished award-winning marketer, a sales world top 50 keynote speaker, a 2020 top 10 SaaS branding expert, a top 19 B2B marketer to watch in 2019, a social media influencer, a category leading podcaster and a serial entrepreneur. I feel quite exhausted already, Daryl, to be honest. Um, Daryl has raised almost $100 million in venture capital, acquired, merged and taken companies public, been hired and fired and worked for companies of all sizes. Welcome to my podcast. Jules, I am thrilled to be on your podcast. This is going to be so much fun and I should qualify that that bio might have exhibited some of my marketing skills and therefore you should disregard almost all of it. Just so we're clear <laughs> on that. Well, it's, if it's in writing, it's surely got to be the truth, eh, Daryl? Uh, uh, there you go. I can't have you that logic. <laughs> so look, the reason why I know you, Daryl, is because only last week, I'm pretty sure it was last week, although it feels like forever ago, but only yesterday, we did the sales transatlantic throwdown which was amazing fun. So the girls v the girls, the USA girls v the UK girls. I was thrilled to be on the UK team, a bit scared, wondered why I'd even been picked. Um, And we had this most amazing session with you and you were, I'm going to say you were the host, you were the facilitator, you were the judge. You know, basically you were in charge, Daryl, weren't you? Uh, You know, when you've got 12 women who are incredible, incredibly successful at their job. They know their stuff inside and out and they're competitive and they want to win. The only way I can go here is to say, I'm the boss, I'm the judge, because otherwise I will lose control rapidly. And I was sharing with somebody just literally last night. In fact, I was sharing that it was with Scott Lease. And for those who don't know, Scott was on the male version of Team USA versus Team um, UK and he was the American captain. And I said, I gotta tell you, Scott, I said, between you and I, it felt really weird. I had, and I'm gonna to be totally uh, patriarchal a little bit here. I had no issue telling the guys to shut up. They were out of time. But every time I had to tell the, the ladies, you're out of time, stop talking. I, my, my mom was inside my head, God rest her soul, saying, Daryl, show your manners. What are you doing? You don't do that. And so anyway, it was really weird for me to have to be the tough guy with all of you women. I want you to know that. It killed me, but I did it. I did it for the cause. Yeah, you smashed it. You really did. And of course, we, we have to mention this 
beautiful beard I'm sorry but it's just got to be mentioned and some people will be listening audio only shame on you you need to go to YouTube you will be able to see this beautiful man but this is the lockdown beard am I right Daryl this is the lockdown beard I've never had a beard in my life for those who care I'm 52 years old <clears throat> and so I've been able to grow a beard now for the last 10 years or so and uh, never had one and my wife refused to let me have one so when lockdown came and it was obviously going to be a while. And everybody started growing the beards. I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. You know, what the hell? And she was adamant that that was a no. And I, my, and so, you know, we've been married 30 years. So I could say to her, I love you, honey, but and I'm doing this. And, uh, and then it got to a point where I'm like, okay, now what? Because it was all in. And I, and I don't know how to groom a beard or how to take care of a beard. I am clueless. So I'm on YouTube studying videos. And I actually broke down and bought myself a beard trimmer because I said, okay, I guess I'm going for a little bit. I was getting positive reaction, which blew me away. So I bought a trimmer, and he, here's what you see. Uh, so, and now my wife, full story, uh, loves the beard. She goes, I didn't think I would, but I like the beard. So it's a got a happy ending. Oh, you wear it very well. And I think, you, you know, uh, while we're talking about this, I want to ask you a question because I have got lockdown hair, okay? You didn't yep. know me before. I had quite short hair. I've always had very short hair. I've got a little face. I, I've been able to wear really short I can see the hair. picture on your banner behind yeah. you. Yeah. And uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. So this is lockdown hair. It's got really long, obviously not yep. been cut. It's also gone gray, okay? Yeah. Question. Mine too. Yeah, but look. Men, grey hair, fabulous, okay? Yep. Women, grey hair, mm, what do you think? I have seen many women with stunning grey hair. It's sort of a fashion statement. It looks incredible. But then I've seen a lot of women, just like I've seen a lot of men, I want to be fair in this one, with grey hair that just does not reflect well upon them. Yeah. So I think part of it is how you style it. You know, my wife's the same situation. She's, uh, she's not been able to get access to her colorist. And so she's got, uh, she's got the white and the gray coming through. And I was looking at it the other day. Of course, I said nothing to her. Um, <laughs> and I thought it looked kind of cute on her, you know? You know, she em embraced the wisdom that, you know, you've earned that gray hair. I want you to know that. So yeah. embrace it. It looks good. I've been fortunate. My wife has cut my hair. She's never cut hair in her life. Same thing. Go to YouTube. See what's going on. First time, it was a complete. She was more freaked out than I was, I think. Second time she nailed it. So, so far so good. Uh, she, she feels bad for when I do go back to the groomer, the hairstylist, and they're gonna see the awful lines, if you will, that she made, you know, trying to figure out how to cut my hair. And she's like, you know, sorry, dude, that's on you. But like I said to her, this is the beauty. Like, this is the beauty. I wear product in my hair, gel, you know, wax, whatever. And I said, it's okay. If you mess up, my hair is spiky and I wear product nobody will know i can just disguise it with the product and that's exactly what we've done so yeah. i'm lucky and others not so much you look fantastic well i know you're just saying that but but you know i am wondering whether to put a bit more color through it but keep that kind of silvery white you know yeah just, you, I mean, it looks embracing, great embracing embrace it, it. Um, but look talking about cutting hair and then we'll talk about some proper business stuff um yesterday i sat down with my 15 year old beautiful son sam he's got the most wonderful curly hair you've ever seen no idea where that comes from my hair's proper straight and i had the clippers and the hairdresser scissors and yep. the youtube and I'm honestly, I'm not kidding you. I'm so proud of what I achieved. And he said, mom, this is one of the best haircuts I've ever had. 
it, I said the same thing to my wife. The first one we knew was gonna be what it was, and it was actually pretty good considering it's the first time. The second time, I'm like, honey, I don't get this good a cut from regular barbers. Like, I'm serious. You're doing a fantastic job. Yeah. You should be proud. Like, I, not, not, and my, I have not shared this with my wife. My biggest fear is that she's going to say, okay, I can't do this anymore. I need you to cut my hair. My biggest fear is she's going to ask me to do that because <laughs> I am scared that you cannot imagine. Yeah. So it's, it's scary. you should be proud. Yeah. And then if, if your 15-year-old tells you you did good, then you know you did good. Yeah, nailed it, Daryl, nailed, nailed it. it. Okay, look, let's talk about business because I kind of want to find out, you've got all this fabulous, um, you know, bio about these wonderful things that you've done. I want to know about what happened when you left school. Where did you, you start with all of this? What was it? Okay, so classic story of uh, not ending up where I went to school for. So I went to school for... Uh, computer science. Uh, by trade, I am a computer programmer, if they still call them that. Um, but when I finished school, after, you know, going through all through, you know, high school and the university of uh, being, you know, in, uh, in, in love with technology and development and all that, after that time, I was at a point in my life, I'm like, you know what, I'm tired of programming. I don't want to be a programmer. And, uh, but I have this diploma, what do I do? And everybody looked at me and they said, Daryl, well, Daryl, you should be in sales. And I'm like, sales? I have no idea what the hell a salesperson does. No, you should be in sales. So I thought, okay. So I started interviewing. I had all the bad experiences you can imagine. Here, here's a pencil, sell this to me in the job interview process. Uh, how do you sell this plumbing? How do you sell HVAC? How do you sell ceiling tiles? Like I bombed every interview you can imagine. And then my, my first job was selling photocopiers door to door. And wow. I did that, yeah, I did that for six months, made zero money, um, had my eyes opened wide on uh, what's involved in selling. You know, every, it's a crash course, door to door. Everybody should do door to door. It's, yeah. you know, how do you instantly engage somebody? How do you open that first 10 seconds to get their attention? And how do you uh, handle those objections? I'm too busy, not right now. We've got one, thanks. No, we don't have the budget. Um, come back tomorrow, leave your collateral here. Um, you know, they can spy you a mile away. So on a phone call, as soon as they answer, they know right away. It's, it's a sales pitch. But when you're walking up to their door in an industrial park, oh, they know. And usually they'll lock it on you, right? <laughs> yeah. So that was my six months. And then I saw that this, the bad side of sales. I saw many reps who were making a lot of money and they were just totally ripping off the customers, inflating mm -hmm. prices, making promises that didn't meet, making claims that weren't true being disingenuous, outright lying and manipulating the deals. I did not like that. Mm -hmm. So after six months, I had had a break from development. And I said, you know what? I don't think I'm cut up for sales. And I went back to coding and I coded for five years. And uh, that's what I did. And eventually after you know that time frame, I said, okay, and I'm, no, I was right. Five years ago, I'm done coding. I was good at it, but I was just, I, was, I couldn't stand in front of a screen uh, that long anymore. My attention span was losing it. And I wanted to talk to people which is funny because I'm an introvert. Um, and then if I, I am, well, and what are they calling now? Is it an ambervert or whatever, where you learn how an introvert learns how to become an extrovert or vice versa? So they, they suspect that's what I'm at now. But yeah, you get me in at a live event, I'll be, hi, how are you? And then 10 minutes later, you're gonna go, where's Daryl? Daryl's in a corner shaking because he needs to get re-energized. Wow. Um, but then, yeah, if I were to expedite the career after that, uh, what I did was to get out of development as I went, became a sales engineer for a technology company. 
sales engineer, led to product management, led to product marketing, led to marketing. Uh, then boom, before you know it, you're head of marketing. Then all of a sudden you're head of, uh, you're head of marketing and sales. And then I did multiple jobs where I was VP sales and marketing. Um, and then ultimately I said, no, no, it's, uh, it's, it's truly, I love sales. I'm good at sales. I have a personality. I understand. I understand the revenue process, but it's marketing. So then I specialize and here I am now. So I, I'm really interested in the kind of whole sales marketing thing because I'm, I'm 51. So um, I have to just say you are a little bit older than me. I don't meet many uh, yes. people who are older than yes. me, Daryl. Yes. By one year, I am one older. Year. I am that much wiser. <laughs> now, the thing is, when we started out in selling, you know, and I know you did your coding as well, but look, selling didn't have an internet. Selling didn't have no. social media. You know, we were in charge in selling. The salesperson was king. Yep. And, and that was how we were trained. And that was how we sold. And when you said to someone, we're number one in the world, they went, wow, that's good. Yeah, that's great. We'll you. buy it. <laughs> and of course, now it's very different because they can just Google us and then they can go, no, you're not number one in the world because I've just looked on Google and it's told me everything I need to know. And of course, the statistics, when you look them up, and I'm not a massive stats girl, as you know, from the, the throwdown, but I believe that it's true to say we're almost about 70% of our way through the buying journey before we even want to talk to a salesperson. Now, this is a general kind of statistic now, okay? Yep. And the reason I'm saying all this is because our worlds have changed so much in, with regard to sales and marketing, Daryl. So marketeers and marketing was this very separate, precious thing, and it was nothing like sales. And salespeople could get on by, but the marketers were, were, you know, in charge. We start the journey, you finish it. What do you think sales and marketing looks like now? Um, the line has blurred so much. It's staggering. And, and if you're listening and you're in sales and you don't think you're in marketing or you don't think your path is marketing, I'm going to warn you now. I'm not speaking as a marketer. I'm, I'm speaking as a CMO. You're in marketing. And my biggest beef with my fellow marketers who don't understand sales is that they're useless because they're in sales. The line has truly blurred. It's so funny you say that because, you know, there's so many signs we can look at. You, you're right. It used to be marketing was top of funnel only, and then sales was middle funnel, and then sales was, and they took it from there, bottom of funnel, way to go. And, and more and more and more and more, of course, the buyer is getting educated, 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 which is forcing the marketer to chase that person instead of just stopping at the top of funnel, down to the middle of funnel or even beyond. And, and, and that transition means the marketer needs to learn how to sell. It's beyond the, hey, here's the clickbait title. I've got your lead. I gave you a tchotchke at a trade show event. I've got a lead. Here you go, sales. Do your thing. But now we have to, you know, when serious decisions created the demand waterfall, you know, we had this contract suddenly of a marketing qualified lead and a sales qualified lead. We had to understand that. And we actually had to have alignment and talk to our sales brethren and sisters and say, what is an MQL before I hand this to you? Otherwise I've got to score it and hit it. And then what is an SQL? And now we're often responsible for delivering SQLs in many organizations. In fact, in almost 40, 45% last I saw the stat of organizations, the sales development reps, the SDRs, the BDRs, they reside with marketing now and not with actual sales because they're just doing the engagement, multi-touch, you know, email, it's all about cadences and sequences and all the playbooks and email templates and kick-ass messaging and call to actions. When I have sales reps, honest to goodness, Jules, messaging me and saying, 
your email sucks. Did you want me to coach you on a proper subject line? Here are my open rates and my click-through percentages. And that's an SDR. And I'm a CMO. I'm like, whoa, the world is topsy-turvy. What the hell has happened? But that's actually what happens now. I've been yeah. chastised multiple times and I giggle. So there's that. The other thing we've seen, you used to have marketing operations and sales operations. Where now it's just revenue operations, yeah, right? It's I the whole that. thing. So yeah. you're truly seeing this morph come to play. And in my mind, I've already got my neck. I got my, I haven't written a book, published it yet. But if I did, I've already got the title and which is, uh, what is it? Marketing is the new sales or sales is the new marketing. Pick your choice. Either one. Because they blur so much. A sales yeah. rep needs to be a marketer and a marketer needs to understand sales. If you don't, you're going to fail. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm 100% with you. And I think one of the things I coach a lot with my clients and with the teams I work with is talking about them uh, presenting themselves before the sale. You know, so on their social media and their digital footprint and their personal brand, who are they? How are they thought leading? Where are they? Are they an expert? And that's the stuff then. That's when people follow, watch, listen, like, and when the time's right, they buy. And they don't look so anyone else. I have to ask you, see, the interviewee gets to turn around on the interview. <laughs> um, so when you bring this up, because I've had this conversation many times, typically, typically, what's the reaction you get? Uh, they're surprised. Sometimes I, f I feel it's a bit of a surprise that then their job isn't just about going in for that kind of um, proactive sell. Uh, they're surprised that they've got to do this work up front about being visible, building their brand, their personal brand, who they are. You know, I truly believe, and you would have heard this on the throwdown, people buy people. And it's more important now than ever it's been before that we connect as humans, more important than ever. So okay, what's it, what Jules just said, if you're listening to this for the first time, <laughs> all right, you've now, you can stop the podcast now, hit stop and just like, that's right there, that's the goal you took away. Um, so two comments. One is, uh, I, I get a ton of people arguing with me that that's not the case. Personal brand doesn't matter, I'm the sales executive. Daryl, you can be the personal brand, whatever, that's your job. My job is to close the business. They don't have to like me. That's just my job. So that's the first part. The second part, true story, when I had just taken the job here at Vanilla Soft, and for context, I had my own marketing agency for almost 10 years. They, they wooed me out for this job. I closed my business down. And I was here a couple months. That was late 2017. And, and we had an amazing following in all of our corporate channels. Corporate Twitter, like 35,000 people. Corporate LinkedIn, strong. But it was just Vanilla Soft. Right, Vanilla Soft posted this and Vanilla Soft posted that. And I went to my CEO and I said, okay, I got my head around what's going on here and we need to change things up. And he's like, okay, what do we need to do? And I said, uh, we need to promote me. And he's like, huh? And I'm like, yeah, Vanilla Soft's great, but it's nameless. No one buys from Vanilla Soft. They don't have a conversation with Vanilla Soft. They don't banter and argue with Vanilla Soft. It's just a nameless entity. It's a billboard on the side of the expressway. I said, but they need me, they need Daryl, unless you're telling me, David, you're volunteering to be the face of the company, because I don't think you are. Nope, not me. I said, okay, so they need me. So he goes, so, and he was funny, because this is not an unfair reaction. His comment was, so let me get this straight. We already pay you a big chunk of change to do your job, and now we're gonna pay to promote you, thereby increasing your visibility, 
And I said, and you're worried I might leave because I'll get a Hollywood audience. He goes, well, you know, it's a thought. And I said, oh, I'm not going to leave. And he goes, okay, well, how do I know it's your brand versus the company brand? We're not just doing this for you. And I said, I said, don't worry. I said, I will make it clear. And everything I ever do when I post or I do videos, I always start or at the end, I'll say, you know, I'm Daryl Prail. I'm with Vanilla Soft. And that right there, that's the sum total of my mention of Vanilla Soft. Everything else is me talking, yeah. but they know. Everybody knows. And it took about a year for him to watch the transition and how people engaged with the company, whether that be on sales meetings, you know, over the phone, more face to face. But we were at a big show in London of all places. And the booth was packed. And he turned to me at one point. And so this is the this is the proof in the pudding, kids, if you're listening. He turned to me at one point, he goes, You're a rock star. Now you have to understand, David's a bit of a smart ass, and he's always telling me stuff and then he looks laughs because he thinks I believe it and he walks away <laughs> um and I said yeah yeah I'm not falling for that again he goes no genuinely because you're a rock star I'm like why why okay now I don't know are you baiting me here like what's going on and he goes like look at the booth traffic it's staggering there's every second every two to three people coming here they're not coming here to meet vanilla soft they're saying is Daryl here and then they're saying can you show me the product because Daryl talks about it all the time yeah. so he got it yeah. so that's the lesson that's how we went through it and then if your audience is listening don't be like my people who disagree with me and argue. You, you're allowed to be like Jules people who can be surprised. That's allowed. Um, but there's a story that you, people buy from people. Yeah, they do. And, you know, I, I started, obviously, I started Live It, Love It, Sell It. That was three, three years ago. That's my business. That's I love your name, by the way. Live It, Thank Love It, Sell It. I really do enjoy that. It's Thank so unique. You. Thank you. And it's my own methodology. I created it because I felt there were missing bits in this sales sales journey, you know, that we didn't talk about. And then uh, early sort of last year, I started to think, right, I'm not working with enough teams. So I love working with the entrepreneurs. I love that. They're usually really scared of selling yep. and, and they say, I can't sell. And that's wonderful work. And, and it's so rewarding. Now the teams, well, they need me too, you know, and I'm really passionate about that. So I created UHP. So instead of USP, which is what we all know and talk about still, um, it's unique human proposition. And this is about individual people selling. So, you know, you've got a team of people. Don't, don't script them all. Don't make them all sound the same. Don't make them robotic. Let's find out who these guys are. And let's create all of the personal brands within that team with that business brand attached. And now you're working magic. So, again, that's your, that's your second gold touch away <laughs> from this conversation, okay? You can one come on biggest, my podcast again. Anytime, right? Yes. <laughs> one of the biggest values I add in, in our podcast, Inside, Inside Sales, um, is, is I often, you know, I speak as a marketer and a sales past former salesperson. Um, I speak mostly as a buyer because that's what I have. I'm a CMO. I've got a, you know, all well, sounding boastful. I have a big ass budget and I'm accountable to make results and I can spend money to make money. That's the truth. You all know it because you sell me and pitch me in nonstop. So I speak as a buyer. Here's the thing. When you approach me to her, to Jules point, the USB is selling proposition. You know, what I feel like, I feel like a transaction. I don't, yeah. I feel like I'm going to help you hit your quota and you don't And once we sign this deal, you don't care. When you approach me as a human relationally, helping me consultative now i like you and now all things are equal because trust me i'm going to get competitive pricing every time 
I'm going to buy from the person that treats me like a human than I am the person who treats me like a transaction. Yeah. You need another proof point in this. And I know many of you listening are guilty to this and you think it's okay. It's not. Hear me out. When you send me a connection request and you say, hi, Daryl, my company does offshore development in India and Korea and uh, Ukraine. And we're really good at PHP, HTML, uh, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and that's your connection request. Your connection request was all about you, nothing about me, wasn't about what I'm representing, what, what I'm talking about, wasn't about who I am, it wasn't about the, the, the takedown I just did where Jules was a rock star. It was none of that. It was about you. And you know what I am to you? I'm a transaction. And you know what I do to that one? I say, ignore. Yeah. Now, if you reached out to me and he said, I got to tell you, Daryl, I don't know how you manage those 12 women. I respect that <laughs> Jules was incredible. Can you teach me your skills also that I mentioned Jules was incredible? Um, let's be friends. I'm there. And then if you want to pitch me in 60 days time, because in between then you've talked in some of my comments, my posts, you brought something to the table. You made an interesting point. You argued with me. I don't care. You disagreed with me. That let's rock on. Yeah. Then you come to me, I got all the time in the world for you. Yeah, it's, exactly. You, it's the human proposition. You are so bright. Yeah, no. It's the gray hair. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's so true. And I think, you know, my, my uh, thing now is that it's just little me and I'm trying to get this message out, you know, and I'm very passionate about spreading the word across the world about this way of selling you know it's it's so it feels so important to me because i think all my life i've been trained in that process driven way how to sell and every time i'd just go out and do something different and then i'd hit all my targets and i'd think well i, I must be doing something right but i'm not doing what they trained me to do you know <laughs> so, and it still it's goes just, on you know. it's just little me and yet 12 women and she was an mvp in that show but it's just little her you know. come on <laughs> Yeah, the reason you're hitting those quotas is because you do understand the human proposition. And that's the thing, right? Marketing is the same, by the way. I can teach you technical to, I can teach you how to objection handle. I can teach you how to open. I can teach you how to send an email with a killer in the subject line. I can teach you the formula for the email of a body. I can teach you all the tactics. But what I have great difficulty teaching you is how to show empathy, how to demonstrate you genuinely care. Yeah. how to have a constructive conversation that's respectful but also pushes back that's the human proposition yeah. and the fact that you're leading with that because let's be candid i can go to youtube and watch a bunch of videos with a bunch of other people who might teach me some of those same skills so why jules well you go to jules because yes she has those skills too but then she adds the human proposition element to that that's what differentiates and that's why i'm not surprised at all that a that's not how they were teaching you and B, that's why you were having success. The reality was they should have, and maybe this is what happened, they should have been going to you and saying, okay, you're doing it differently. Tell us what you're doing because we want to replicate it. Did that ever happen to you? No, never, no, That's no. a failure in leadership. No, absolutely. And of course, remember this was, you know, this is going back five, 10 years uh, yep. plus. Um, we didn't think the same way back then. We just didn't. We didn't have the same uh, reach. We didn't have the internet, social media, as I mentioned before, Daryl. And I think that's changed the world for the better. It's incredible that you and I can chat like this live together. And you're in Canada and I'm in the UK. I'm, I'm still blown away that we can do things like this. This is wonderful. But look at the, the opportunities in business because of it. You know, that's what's really exciting, I think. So I... 
earlier this week, I actually came to my real office, not my work from home office, but my real office. And I'm there right now too. I'm the only person here, okay? And this whole building, I'm the only person here. I live in the countryside where I have the world's first internet. So when I have productions, I like to come to the building. And so two days ago, I was here, I had a production, technology story. I, uh, I had to go out and use the, the restrooms, which are down the hall and the door is all locked behind me. And normally I always have my keys on me. And this time I went outside and I forgot my keys. And I'm the only person in the building. I can't <laughs> knock on the door because there's no one there to hear me. I'm in a different province that speaks a different language. So I can't go to the local petrol station and say, can I borrow your phone? And in COVID, no one's going to lend me their phone anyway. And I said, how do I get back into the into my office? I, and I didn't, and I left my phone in my office. I have no nothing on me. And then suddenly, like Dick Tracy, and there's an American reference for you, I remembered I'm wearing my Apple Watch. So I got as close as I could to the building door, so I'd be technically closer to my phone. And I used my watch and I called my boss down the street and I said, and I got through. And I said, can you please come let me in? So through the miracle of my little watch, who was connected to Bluetooth to my office phone because I was locked out by the electronics of, this, of, of our security system, I was able to get into the office. And that, my friends, is why technology is so freaking incredible. It's amazing, isn't it? Yes. I don't think we use half of it when you think you about, you know, and, and things like automation, you mentioned that in your LinkedIn profile. That's one of your passions is, you know, automation yep. and all of that. So tell us a bit about Vanilla Soft because I think it's great for us to find out actually what do they do, Daryl? So Vanilla, I mentioned that they wooed me out of my own agency where I had my wonderful life balance. I was just like Jules was where she ran her own show and I had no bosses. <laughs> <sighs> and they wouldn't get why. So the answer why is really simple. You know, what I know from my own experience in sales and marketing, what I know when I was working with my clients at the time was that, you know, marketing would, would do a wonderful job, generally speaking, making leads and they would hand it off to sales and those leads would just die on the vine, so to speak, right? And often if you look at, if you attribute to why did those leads die? Well, a couple situations would happen. One, the reps would say, oh, I called, 10 of them of those 5,000 you gave me and uh, they sucked. So I stopped. I'm not going to do any more. It's a waste of time. Or they'd be like, yeah, I finally called them because you were badgering me three weeks later and they don't even remember filling out your form just three weeks later. Or I'd say, did you call them? Then like, yeah, I called them once or twice, but no one was there. I love voicemails. So yeah, they're dead. So I'm like, ah, and as a marketer, I'm always held accountable to show an ROI on the money I spend in my campaigns to generate those leads. In other words, I have to show that the money I spent resulted in closed deals. Yeah. But I am stuck because I'm dependent upon the sales team to do their job. I can give them the lead and then I'm done. Now that's me as a marketer. I would talk to my sales colleagues or heads of sales and, and they would lament. They were like, ah, oh, stupid reps. They freaking cherry pick the leads we give them. They don't call them enough times. They don't do enough activity. Like, you know, they're gonna do 100 calls a day or 50 calls a day, and it's like they're scared of the phone, but man, they can talk for hours about the latest, you know, football match. So I, I, I experienced the challenge personally, and that's where VanillaSoft came in, and that's literally why, that's literally why I took the job. But VanillaSoft does is a sales engagement platform, and, and it simply uh, continuously serves every sales rep the next best lead that they should follow up on at that moment in time. And it gets even really more sophisticated than that. So there is no list 
that they can just create if you're in Salesforce or something, you see your list of leads you gotta call. Yeah, that doesn't exist with us. We're figuring it out. We're telling you, no, here you go. You're gonna call Jules right now. And you don't see anything else until you deal with Jules. You can't see behind Jules is IBM if you really wanna call. You got Jules because we've deemed that Jules is better than IBM. And, and, and the next one, you know, once you call Jules, you hit one button because, you know, Jules didn't, wasn't there. It drops the voicemail and it goes away into what we call our queue. And then like, you know, four, eight, 24, whatever you said, hours later, Jules is back in front of that rep again. All right. So I don't have to worry about the rep just calling once forgetting. It's Jules is going to keep on being in front of that stupid rep over and over again. But every time it's going to mix it up, it's going to say, well, you called her last time. This time you need email or this time. This time you need to send her a touch on social media. This time you need to send her an SMS. This time send her an email with a video. Now you're gonna call her again, but you're not gonna leave a voicemail. You're just gonna ghost her a little bit if she doesn't answer. And then if she does answer, heaven forbid, boom, up comes the script and it walks you through what to do and objection handling and everything else. And I'm like, that's freaking golden. But then the marketer may get really excited because it's this concept of the next best lead is that it reacts. This is the part that's so sexy. So if someone fills out a form on your website, it doesn't go to the end of the list, the end of the queue. No, it's like, hey, they're there now, boom. That's now the next best lead. I don't forget everything else, they're there, boom. So as soon as you dump jewels, instead of IBM coming up, that form comes up. Or there's buyer intent signals. You know, hey, somebody's on G2, check me right now. Boom, call them, now. So that idea of having a cadence or a sequence uh, where it's multi-channel, phone, email, social, video, SMS, whatever, with the, uh, with the right speed to lead. Oh, they just for the form up, call them now. Um, so that I'm gonna call them not two or three times, but eight times, 12 times, 16 times, 22 times, whatever it might take. And, and I eliminate the administration from the rep. I hit one button, boom, it's dealt with them. The next best lead is served. Was like mind blowing to me. And I said, I, I, I gotta get on that. Because to me, that was the next wave. Uh, you know, what are the waves we had of notice? We had the CRM wave. You and I go way back. It used to be called Salesforce Automation. And then it grew up and became CRM. Yeah. And then we had the marketing automation wave, which before that was just really glorified email. Um, and now I saw sales engagement. And in fact, when I talk to people like Forrester or Topo, uh, Forrester slash Sirius or Topo slash Gartner, et cetera, they'll all tell me that the number one quarter they get is still CRM. Number two used to be marketing automation. That's number three now. Number two is sales engagement. It's, mm. it's the one piece of technology in the last handful of years that just makes a dramatic difference in your revenue and your productivity. The reps make more money. The company closes more deals. How can a marketer not sell that? It's not like I'm selling, you know, life insurance. No, I'm selling revenue, baby. So that's what we do. So I got a question then, because um, this, yeah. there's, there's elements of this that I think are very exciting in terms of serving the salesperson with that kind of knowledge you know, because it makes them more productive. They're not shifting around for what lead to call. They're all procrastinate on that anyway, won't they? Yes. Um, so this is, this is cool. I like this. I like the way that it does different uh, ways of uh, messaging. So, you know, you get that mix. What I really want to know is, um, does it work on AI? Does it work on, you know, what is the background of how you know that Jules is the one that needs to get called now? So you're going to like my answer. At least I think you're going to like my answer. Um, it can work on AI. And yes, we do have elements of AI in, in the system, as do other vendors as well. Um, but here's what people need to understand. They, and the marketers, and I can say this as a marketer, the marketers never tell you this. 
for AI or machine learning to work, you need gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs of data for it to learn and go, oh, I see what's going on here. But you know, if you're a team of say 10 reps and you're making you know, 50 calls a day, that's 500 calls. In a week, that's 2,500 calls, right? So 10 weeks, that's 25,000 calls. I'm talking millions of records you need before you can figure it out, not yeah. thousands. So for most people, AI is just the shiny object that does nothing. Yeah. Um, so what we do is we, <laughs> we actually, what we recommend, most people do, uh, is that you not pay for the AI with GWiz Bang, although we have the text in our verbiage, you, we, yeah, we read AI, is we use just a variety of rules and algorithms, and an algorithm is not AI, just so clear on that, rules and algorithms that you configure that, that helps you determine, you know, how and when to route a certain lead. So there are some really novel approaches to that. So I'll give you an example. One of the industries that we're really big in uh, is actually not a sales, I mean, there's lots of sales, but this one is not a sales industry, it's higher education. When they're actually trying to do fundraising back with their alumni to go build, you know, a, a new pitch or, you know, help a, a disadvantaged student, you know, go to school, whatever it might be, get some new gear. And, uh, and so what they try to do is they, they try, they have routing rules that say, well, we know the alumni, we know the contacts that we're calling. And we know where they're located. We know the language they speak. They, we also know, because they're alumni, the program they took, who some of their faculty was, et cetera. And so when it comes in, we know the exact same things about all of our agents, not sales reps. Your fundraising, no one sells. These are just agents. Um, and so the routing rules will say, oh, I'm going to match this alumni who lives in China with this Chinese uh, student. Uh, so they both speak the same language, they both come from the same country, and they're both in the same program, and they, and they actually have one teacher the same, because it was that person graduated five years ago. Um, so that when they connect, they instantly have something to bond over. So it wasn't about timing on the when to call, it was about what's the best way to do it. So what's saying in that another way, if you highly segment and identify your ICPs, right, and you identify your personas, you identify all those little pain points and attributes that you can speak to, and you match the skills of your reps or your agents with the prospects, the routing is like black magic, how it can match everybody up, so you instantly are able to connect. It's crazy how it can do it. So long-winded answer, yes, it can use AI. Don't be fooled by it. You don't need to use AI, uh, and you're only going to ever benefit from AI unless you've got you know, millions upon millions upon millions of sales interactions. I feel as well like some of the stuff you've just talked about is very much around human connection. Yes, and it of is. I'm going, oh, yes, that's kind of my language, isn't it? Um, the only thing, the only other thing I wanted to ask about is I'm not a fan of scripts um, and I know they're needed. I get it. You know, I do get it. I get I've had this debate many times. I love this debate. I've had yeah. both people, pros and cons on it. Yeah, and I'd just like to know because I, I feel, here's what I feel. I feel like um, when we're trained to sell, when we're really trained to sell, we suddenly lose all of that subconscious magic that we have as humans because we're told this is what you say, this point is where you say it, and then you need to close the deal, and here's some phrases you can use to, you see where I'm going with this, and it's very old I school, I know. Yep. And so all of a sudden I think, oh, well, you can't have a UHP 
if you're scripted because and so this is my conflict because the UHP for me is is the way forward and this is what I want to uh, get people to embrace so I almost want to untrain people so that they use their own language their you know which is how they are then authentic so you see where I'm coming from on all of this I do um, and so maybe it's a form of script but it's not a script because if you parrot fashion a script I'm not going to be Jules if I if I read. You'll know the difference, you know. Yes. So, what do you think, Daryl? I'm really interested because it's definitely a thing for me that. If you're watching the video, you see me like dancing and rubbing my hands together. <laughs> I love this conversation. Um, so I will agree with you. I'm going to start off by saying I 100% agree with you. And you all know what's coming next. <laughs> but. But. <laughs> I don't view it as a script. I said script because that's what we all call it. It's a script, right? I view it as a calling guide. I know it's a nuance, but I view it's a guide. Yeah. It's a guide, right? It doesn't necessarily, I can give you a guidebook to Italy so you can go tour it. It doesn't tell you exactly what time of day you need to be on what street and when do you turn and when do you not turn and which, you know, which restaurant do you frequent and what do you say to your maitre d'. Um, it's a guide. And, um, and if all of a sudden I find myself in Florence instead of in Venice, then I turn to that page that says Florence and I say, now what do I do? So, and I just made that analogy up on the fly, but I kind of like that analogy. Love um, I love it. The thing is this, there's a couple of things. If I am established, to your point, I'm a seasoned professional and I understand the human proposition. I understand how my solution will help them overcome their challenges and achieve their goals. Then I can share stories because I've been doing this for a while with other clients and I can personalize it and I can make it relatable and I can speak in their vernacular and we will bond over one another. We will giggle and laugh and eat over a glass of wine and life will be good. But if I'm not that person, if I'm Daryl who is selling photocopiers door to door has never sold in his life, I am scared out of my underwear. All right. I don't know what's going on. It's not good. And, and every, every little thing I've got, I, I want the crib sheet. I want the help. Please point me in the right direction because I don't have the life experience. I don't have the stories. And candidly, I don't have enough life experience to be even able to relate to my prospect's role, let alone their challenges. So the call guide is brilliant for them. Now, if I'm a sales leader, if I've got a team of 10 and three are knocking it out of the park and seven, not so much, I want to listen to some of their stories and some of their scripts, if you will, their, whatever they're using. And I want to share it with the team to try to lift them up. If that's just, you know, yes, I want to train them. You mentioned proper training. I'm going to stop there because you and I both know that many people suck at proper training. <laughs> so that's why jewels exist because they suck at proper training. Um, so we just got to park that for a second. Um, and then I remember having this conversation with Victor Antonio. We had a whole session on scripts. And he was like, and this, so this is all full attribution to him. He's like, Daryl, because you know and I know. He goes, you're a pro, you do your thing, you're on the phone, you're telling your stories, and you're like, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, you get the next call. And you're telling the same story. And you get the next call. And you're telling the same story. Uh, or an objection happens that you've had, you know, four times that day. Here's your response. You're like on autopilot. He goes, I got news for you. You got a script. You're saying the same thing over and over again. All right. So, yeah, yeah. you know, you do have a script, whether you know, you may think that's just because you're a dynamic individual. No, listen to you, buddy. You're saying the same freaking thing. You're not dynamic. You're rinse and repeat. And uh, so, yes, a script should never constrain. 
it should have the freedom to allow you to go off track. Yeah, it's I love that. It's a great that. training tool. You, if you ever read it, I will slap you. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Yes. And actually, I like what this guy says. Victor, you said, yeah? Victor? Yes. Victor and Tony got over a million followers on YouTube. I, need to, I hate him. I, I need to know this man. He's obviously, you know, oh. got something to say. You like him. He's a really nice guy, which makes it even more annoying. Yeah, ahead. yeah. But, you know, he is right. However, what happens in that script uh, that we have, which is yep. our own script, is that it is our own script. It's our own yep. language. It's our own story. And actually, if you took a young sales team and you really got down to embracing with them what storytelling is truly about and you just gave them that guidance on it, I think they could be amazing storytellers, even though they're not as old or seasoned or have had as much life experience because what they'll do is they'll take those core stories that work, that demonstrate that great value or that great you know, story about that product, yeah? And they'll tell those stories in their own way. And, yeah. that's, and that's when it becomes magic. And so right. I think that's the big thing for me. I think you're right. Yes, of course, we'll keep telling the same stories because they work and they're great and they got the right reaction and we connected. But, but let me ask you this. That, yeah. Let me ask you this. When you, so you came up with those stories that you're telling the same stories, so they work and they react. Exactly what you just said. Um, but if I work backwards, when did I first stumble across that story? Was I perhaps in a meeting or in another sales pitch or on a show floor and I heard somebody else share that story? And yes, I made it my own, my own yeah. style, my own delivery, yeah, cool. but, but I heard somebody else share it first. Yeah. Okay, that's gonna be frequent. I mean, I imagine in your role, when you're training people, you're giving them, I don't, let's not call it scripts, you're giving them techniques, words, approaches, styles uh, to respond, to steer the conversation, which I might contend if I was an argumentative lad, is a little <laughs> bit of a script. Um, so they hear it from you and then they make it their own. Just like my story I heard from somebody else and I made it my yeah. own. Yeah. So you've got to get it from somewhere first yeah i agree and i think that you know when you think about anything in life there's there's very few of us who invented the wheel usually what we do is just repeat what someone else has given us as wisdom in that journey i know that's what i do my stories oh, are very much you know my dad's stories or my mum's stories you know they're the best aren't they when they come from that lovely source you know because yes. mum and dad are gone now but I continually talk about them and tell their stories. So I think it's about, um, yes, absolutely. Take the great stories that someone else told and make them your own, definitely. Uh, and if you so, wanna credit people, definitely credit them. That gives you credibility. If you say, well, actually I heard this from such and such. Which is what I just did with Victor, right? Yeah. So what did I do there? I, I name dropped. So now you think yeah. I know Victor. And I yeah. said, there's a million person YouTubers. Now you think I'm somebody because I'm hanging out with him. <laughs> Yeah. I may not know who the hell I am, but I, and I could have just been sitting beside him at a, at a trade show. Who the hell knows? But you think I'm somebody special now. See, it's all you know, storytelling. Yeah, but um, you, you are special. You know, that, that's, that's oh my the God. thing. I, yeah. but, my, my kids tell me I'm special, but I think they mean it in a different way. I'm not sure. 
But the thing is, you know, the, the whole script thing, I think, is about the definition of script, isn't it, ultimately? So how do you define script? And for me, the script I don't like is when you teach people that kind of parrot fashion way that they Agreed. need to sell. And, and for me, that's a massive no-no. And I want to just allow people to subconsciously just be them. And okay. that's wonderful. So yeah. Takeaway number three here on the Jules show, that's what we're calling it now, the Jules show, <laughs> is if you or your team are just parroting stuff like a bad actor at a, at a, at a fresh first time read of a script, you have failed. You failed yourself, you failed your team. But what do actors do? They learn the lines so well. And they get into the personality of character, which is no different than you getting into the head of your prospect, what they're living and the pains they're experiencing, that the lines become natural. And then they can go off script and the producer loves it because it's said with conviction and it's real and it's believable and it's earnest. That's what you should be doing. You need to channel your inner actor. You need to be, I don't know, who do you want to go with? George Clooney? I don't know. I'm doing yeah. that because of the beard and the gray hair I have on. Yeah. You need to be George Clooney. Yeah, I think George Clooney would work for a lot of people, to be yes. honest. No, it's, it's, isn't it great? Do you know what? I could talk to you for about two hours, and, and I know that we've been on a long time, but I, I wanted to get the most out of you, to be honest. I'm, and I, there's still loads of things I would love to talk about with you. But we've definitely explored uh, the good parts of the old sales um, subject, I think. The things I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on. I also um, feel we know a lot more about Vanilla Soft now, which is great, because I wanted to make sure we talked about that. Last few things. Well, I, I have a proposition for you, yeah. if you're interested, all yeah. right? Here we am, folks, I'm propositioning <laughs> Jules. Are you ready? You heard it here live. It's live. Exactly. <laughs> this hasn't happened well to me for a long That's time. Like, it's like, this is probably the third time it's happened to her today, just told a sidebar. Um, <laughs> what we can do is we can continue this conversation on the inside inside sales podcast think of that as part two i know we're already out of time here so we'll just go over there so i will extend the invite to you and all your listeners you should go subscribe now so you get notified when jules is on the show that's my proposition oh i'd love that daryl that would be so so cool because then you'd be in charge not that you haven't today because <laughs> i'm never in charge you're so demanding <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that. That would be amazing. Um, I think what would be really nice just to finish off is um, such a wise man, such great experience. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. What's that one thing you want to leave the listener with, Daryl? I don't know if Emma's ever actually asked me that, let wow. alone said how wise and nice I was. <laughs> um, you know, here, here's, my, here's my piece of wisdom for you. My, with my, because I am older than Jules, as you now know, so I, I can speak from, from the wisdom that she does not yet have, um, which is, if I have to attribute any success I've had in my career, it's this. I, and this may be a two-part answer, it's very fast. One, I gave myself permission to be self-aware, which means I looked at my strengths and my weaknesses, and I didn't judge myself, I didn't beat myself up, I didn't, I didn't feel bad about me. I said, yeah, I, I, I could be better here. I'm, I know I'm good here, and I suck there. And then the second part was, in the pursuit of fixing that, I had the mindset that it's going to take time. I'm not going to step up to the plate and hit the ball out of the park on the first swing of the bat. 
it's going to, and it might take years. So my advice to you, as you do whatever it is you're doing in life, give yourself permission and, and, and be intentional about being self-aware and then have the right mindset so that you pursue the greatness you know you're capable of, but in a way that's achievable and not destructive. That's my advice to you. Everything else will come, success, everything you want, happiness, riches, fame, fortune. One day you too will be on this podcast. If you do that. <laughs> I love that bit. <laughs> Do you know what's really interesting is I had um, a day with a counsellor some years back when I was having a real tough, dark time. And she said one thing to me that changed my whole perspective. And it's completely along the lines of what you've just said. She said, no one can make you feel anything that you don't choose to feel. And I have never forgotten that sentence in my life because we have choice how we feel. And it's tough some days. Some days you feel crap. Yep. Sometimes you can hardly get out of bed. Yep. You choose whether then either the next day you do or whether that day you get up just that bit later and you do something little that just gets you through the day, you know? And so I have a similar story, um, very fast. I, same thing, I had a counselor and I was in a bad spot and she asked me this, you know, your homework this week and next week, we'll talk about it, is you need to go and write your obituary. And I'm like, oh my obituary, <laughs> yep, you're writing your obituary. And wow. I'm like, fine, best exercise ever everybody go do it in my story i came back and i said here's my obituary and you know what i i didn't mention once in my obituary i didn't mention that i was a marketer i didn't mention that i was a top 50 keynote speaker i didn't mention that i even had a freaking job I, you know i just my family he was nice he was loved he was respected he was funny he had great kids great wife great family life was good and all of a sudden i said okay that's what matters those are my words so all this stress I'm putting on myself about my career, my earnings, my, my, my fame or lack of fame, these vanity metrics, none of that is in that obituary. And that changed my life. Ah, it's been wonderful. I have absolutely loved every minute of talking to you today. And I knew I would. Thank you so much for joining my podcast. Thank you. And I'm going to come back for part two. So you're not going to get away with that now because you've said it it is live um all the listeners heard you say it so i'm going to exactly. come back and, and we're going to talk again on, but on your podcast which is inside 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 sales because you're not just inside sales you're getting inside inside sales i love it i love it thank you daryl you're amazing it's been brilliant chatting to you and listeners i hope you have enjoyed this fantastic insightful conversation there's been some sales gold in this one and marketing gold Um, and thank you for joining us if you have enjoyed this podcast then like and subscribe on whatever platform that you listened to this podcast on and we will see you next time on the human conversation ta-ta for now You've just been listening to the Human Conversation podcast with Jules White. To find out more about the other work that Jules does, please visit her website, www.liveitloveitsellit.co.uk. And if you enjoyed the podcast, then please do leave a rating and review on the platform you use to enjoy her show. Thanks for listening and see you next time.